0: Hello, everybody. It's August 30th, and we're coming to the end of our eighth month of travel through the pages of Scripture. My name is David McAdam, and this is the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast. We're happy to have you with us as we continue to make our way reading through the Bible each day. We are now in the book of Job in the Old Testament and Paul's second letter to the Corinthians in the New We will also be making stops as we do each day in the book of psalms and the book of proverbs we hope to encourage you with a daily intake of god's word whether you are reading along in the bible or on an app commuting to work listening while exercising taking a break wherever and whenever you can that's the beauty of the podcast you can listen whenever it works best in your schedule it helps to develop a habit if you listen in the same place and at the same time each day. You can also subscribe and get notification reminders of daily episodes wherever you get your podcasts. We are still in the middle section of the book of Job, the dialogues where we hear speeches between Job and his friends Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar, who having exhausted themselves, have no more words to say. Leaving the stage to Elihu, who appears suddenly from the shadows in chapter 32 and then disappears just as suddenly as he appeared at the end of chapter 37, just before God speaks to Job out of the whirlwind. Elihu has taken it upon himself to defend God's justice and to present alternative reasons for God's sufferings. Certainly there must be an educational purpose somewhere. So let's read on and hear what Elihu has to say as he continues to speak in chapter 34 beginning with verse 1. ELIHU ASSERTS GOD'S JUSTICE CHAPTER 34 THEN ELIHU ANSWERED AND SAID, HEAR MY WORDS, YOU WISE MEN, AND GIVE EAR TO ME, YOU WHO KNOW, FOR THE EAR TESTS WORDS AS THE PALATE tastes FOOD. LET US CHOOSE WHAT IS RIGHT, LET US KNOW AMONG OURSELVES WHAT IS GOOD. FOR JOB HAS SAID, I AM IN THE RIGHT, AND GOD HAS TAKEN AWAY MY RIGHT. IN SPITE OF MY RIGHT I AM COUNTED A LIAR my wound is incurable though i am without transgression what man is like job who drinks up scoffing like water who travels in company with evil doers and walks with wicked men for he has said it profits a man nothing that he should take delight in god therefore hear me you men of understanding far be it from god that he should do wickedness and from the almighty that he should do wrong for according to the work of a man he will repay him and according to his ways he will make it befall him. Of a truth God will not do wickedly, and the Almighty will not pervert justice. Who gave him charge over the earth, and who laid on him the whole world? If he should set his heart to it, and gather to himself his spirit and his breath, all flesh would perish together, and man would return to dust. If you have understanding, hear this, listen to what I say. Shall one who hates justice govern? Will you condemn him who is righteous and mighty, who says to a king, Worthless one, and to nobles, Wicked man, who shows no partiality to princes, nor regards the rich more than the poor, for they are all the work of his hands? In a moment they die, at midnight the people are shaken and pass away, and the mighty are taken away by no human hand, for his eyes are on the ways of a man, and he sees all his steps. There is no gloom or deep darkness wherever evildoers may hide themselves. For God has no need to consider a man further, that he should go before God in judgment. He shatters the mighty without investigation, and sets others in their place. Thus knowing their works, He overturns them in the night, and they are crushed. He strikes them for their wickedness, in a place for all to see. Because they turned aside from following Him, and had no regard for any of His ways, So that they caused the cry of the poor to come to him and he heard the cry of the afflicted when he is quiet who can condemn when he hides his face who can behold him whether it be a nation or a man that a godless man should not reign that he should not ensnare the people for has anyone said to god i have borne punishment i will not offend any more teach me what i do not see if i have done iniquity I will do it no more. Will he then make repayment to suit you because you reject it? For you must choose, and not I. Therefore, declare what you know. Men of understanding will say to me, and the wise man who hears me will say, Job speaks without knowledge, his words are without insight. Would that Job were tried to the end, because he answers like wicked men, for he adds rebellion to his sin. He claps his hands among us, and multiplies his words against God. Chapter 35 Elihu Condemns Job And Elihu answered and said, Do you think this to be just? Do you say, It is my right before God? That you ask, What advantage have I? How am I better off than if I had sinned? I will answer you, and your friends with you. Look at the heavens and see, and behold the clouds which are higher than you. If you have sinned, what do you accomplish against him? And if your transgressions are multiplied, What do you do to him? If you are righteous, what do you give to him? Or what does he receive from your hand? Your wickedness concerns a man like yourself, and your righteousness a son of man. Because of the multitude of oppressions, people cry out. They call for help because of the arm of the mighty. But none says, Where is God my Maker, who gives songs in the night, who teaches us more than the beasts of the earth, and makes us wiser than the birds of the heavens? There they cry out, but he does not answer, because of the pride of evil men. Surely God does not hear an empty cry, nor does the Almighty regard it. How much less when you say that you do not see him, that the case is before him, and you are waiting for him. And now, because his anger does not punish, and he does not take much note of transgression, Job opens his mouth in empty talk, he multiplies words without knowledge. Chapter 36 who extols God's greatness. And Elihu continued and said, Bear with me a little and I will show you, for I have yet something to say on God's behalf. I will get my knowledge from afar and ascribe righteousness to my Maker, for truly my words are not false. One who is perfect in knowledge is with you. Behold, God is mighty and does not despise any. He is mighty in strength of understanding. He does not keep the wicked alive, but gives the afflicted their right he does not withdraw His eyes from the righteous, but with kings on the throne He sets them for and they are exalted. And if they are bound in chains, and caught in the cords of affliction, then He declares to them their work, and their transgressions, that they are behaving arrogantly. He opens their ears to instruction, and commands that they return from iniquity. If they listen and serve Him, they complete their days in prosperity, and their years in pleasantness. But if they do not listen, they perish by the sword and die without knowledge. The godless in heart cherish anger. They do not cry for help when he binds them. They die in youth, and their life ends among the cult prostitutes. He delivers the afflicted by their affliction, and opens their ear by adversity. He also allured you out of distress into a broad place where there was no cramping, and what was set on your table was full of fatness but you are full of the judgment on the wicked. Judgment and justice seize you. Beware lest wrath entice you into scoffing, and let not the greatness of the ransom turn you aside. Will your cry for help avail to keep you from distress, or all the force of your strength? Do not long for the night when peoples vanish in their place. Take care, do not turn to iniquity. For this you have chosen rather than affliction." BEHOLD, GOD IS EXALTED IN HIS POWER, WHO IS A TEACHER LIKE HIM, WHO HAS PRESCRIBED FOR HIM HIS WAY, OR WHO CAN SAY, YOU HAVE DONE WRONG. REMEMBER TO EXTOL HIS WORK, OF WHICH MEN HAVE SUNG. ALL MANKIND HAS LOOKED ON IT, MAN BEHOLDS IT FROM AFAR. BEHOLD, GOD IS GREAT, AND WE KNOW HIM NOT. THE NUMBER OF HIS YEARS IS UNSEARCHABLE, FOR HE DRAWS UP THE DROPS OF WATER They distill His mist in rain, which the skies pour down and drop on mankind abundantly. Can anyone understand the spreading of the clouds, the thunderings of His pavilion? Behold, He scatters His lightning about Him and covers the roots of the sea. For by these He judges peoples. He gives food in abundance. He covers His hands with the lightning and commands it to strike the mark. Its crashing declares His presence. The cattle also declare that he rises. And this is the end of our reading from the Old Testament today, from the book of Job. And now, as is our custom, let's take a few moments to recap and reflect. Let's see what observations we can make. Elihu is the last person to speak in the earthly debate among Job and his friends. In Job chapters 32 through 37, Elihu gives four separate speeches before God interrupts and silences all with the final word. In his first speech, Elihu explained why he must join the discussion in Job chapter 32, verses 6 through chapter 33, verse 33. Today we start our reading with his second speech in chapter 34, verses 1 through 37. He believes that Job is attacking God's justice, and therefore he speaks to defend it. Elihu calls his fellows to judge for themselves to listen with the taste buds of reason and experience. He asks them to distinguish truth from error as the diner distinguishes sweet from sour. Let us choose for ourselves what is right. Let us know among ourselves what is good. Job chapter 34, verse 4. Yet he fails to recognize the limits of his understanding. Elihu then attempts to answer two of Job's previous assertions as he understood them. Assertion number one is found in Job chapter 34, verses 5 and 6. For Job said, I am righteous, but God has taken away my right. Should I lie concerning my right? My wound is incurable, though I am without transgression. To Job's claims of righteousness, who responds as many do today when they hear that a believer has confidence in being justified before God by faith. who believes Job is claiming that God is denying him justice and thereby accusing God of being wrong. As Elihu berates Job, he gives us a preview of the pharisaical spirit that will be present in the religious elite of Jesus' day. What man is like Job, who drinks up derision like water, who goes in company with the workers of iniquity and walks with wicked men? Job chapter 34, verses 7 and 8. The same criticism will be given to Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus absorbed the scorn of men and was accused of being a friend of sinners in Matthew chapter 11 verse 19 Luke chapter 7 verse 34 and chapter 15 verse 1 whereas Job's three friends Eliphaz Bildad and Zophar were convinced that suffering was due to Job's sin Elihu was expanding that concept he said that Job's suffering was educational he proposes that God is allowing Job's sufferings to teach him something Behold, God does all these oftentimes with men to bring back his soul from the pit, that he may be enlightened with the light of life. Chapter 33, verses 29 and 30. A lie who comments on Job's second assertion, quoting it twice in Job chapter 34, verse 9 and chapter 35, verse 3. In chapter 34, verse 9, we read, For he has said it profits a man nothing when he is pleased with God. In chapter 35, verse 3, we read, For you say, what advantage will it be to you? What profit will I have, more than if I had sinned? Whereas Elihu is right in affirming God's aseity, seeing that God does not need anything from man, the gospel of Jesus Christ will demonstrate that our behavior does affect God. He feels the pain and the insult of our sin. He absorbs it as He bears our burden of guilt on the cross. G. Campbell Morgan writes, The complete revelation of God shows that, whereas according to the terms and requirements of infinite righteousness, God is independent of man, nevertheless, according to the nature of his heart of love, which these men, Job's comforters, did not know, God is not independent of man. The whole Biblical revelation, centered and consummated in Christ, shows that human sin afflicts wounds upon God and causes sorrow to the Holy One, and that man, living in righteousness, does not give glory to God and cause joy to his heart. End Both Job and Elihu are wrong in their assertions and stand to be corrected by God. In chapter 36, Elihu continues to defend his own view of God's justice. Like Job's three other friends, Elihu continues to believe that Job is suffering divine chastisement for his sin. He gives the example of God paying him back for judging others. But you were full of judgment on the wicked. Judgment and justice take hold of you. Job chapter thirty six verse seventeen. He cautions Job not to react to those who oppose him. God is using this trial to teach him. Behold, God is exalted in his power. Who is a teacher like him? Job chapter 36 verse 22. Truly God's knowledge and power is beyond our comprehension. Therefore we look to the word of God as it is perfectly expressed to us in Christ. A lie whose interpretation is not accurate, however. God's primary intention was not to teach Job something in this trial. God was highly honoring Job by using him to display to principalities and powers a truth about worshiping God for who he is. He was correcting Satan's misinterpretation that Job worshipped God to get blessings from him. That is not the truth about God's grace. And it is the truth about God's grace that makes us free. In Paul's letter to the Ephesians, we learn that we also have the high privilege of demonstrating God's wisdom to principalities and powers. In Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, we read, His intent was that now, through the church, The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to His eternal purpose, which He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. With that reminder that we're a spectacle to the angels, let's go to our next stop on our Bible reading tour to the New Testament and Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 4, verses 1-12. through The Light of the Gospel but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to god and not to us we are afflicted in every way but not crushed perplexed but not driven to despair persecuted but not forsaken struck down but not destroyed always carrying in the body the death of jesus so that the life of jesus may also be manifested in our bodies for we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh, so death is at work in us, but life in you. This concludes our reading from the New Testament, Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. What is the message? Do not lose heart in Second Corinthians chapter four, verse one. Don't be discouraged; get a grip on the reality of redemption. It is true that we are flawed and fragile earthen vessels, but we have the treasure of the indwelling life of Christ. We do not need to prop up God's reputation and solicit votes by manufacturing something that looks like ministry. We do not preach ourselves or our own ministries. We do not use deception or distort the Word of God to promise something other than what God has indeed promised. We are not God's salesmen. We are redeemed sinners who have been justified by faith and are being transformed by God's grace. Chapter 4 is a continuation of Paul's thoughts regarding the New Covenant ministry of Christ, who died for us so He can live in us and through us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. We recognize the power of the Word, the power of the Gospel, as Luther said, the word does the work. We do not lose heart because we have the indwelling life of Christ in Second Corinthians 4, verse 16, and our momentary afflictions and hardships are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. In Second Corinthians 4, verse 17, if we were to trust in ourselves, our own wisdom, our own methodologies and energies, we would get discouraged. We would be defeated in the fight. We wrestle not against flesh and blood so our strength is not to be in our own flesh and blood satan the god of this present age has blinded the minds of those who do not believe in second corinthians chapter 4 verse 4 jesus is the light of the world yet light cannot be perceived by those who are blind salvation is of god in jonah chapter 2 verse 9 only he can command the light to shine and the light to be perceived in second corinthians chapter 4 verse 6 if we look to ourselves, we get discouraged. We see the flawed and frail vessel. But instead, we are to look to Christ, our treasure. Even as Gideon's 300 were ordered to smash their vessels so that the light within would manifest that the Lord is the Lord of hosts, so adversities that highlight our brokenness become means of manifesting God's light in this darkened world. In Judges chapter 7, verse 20 and Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. We carry around in our body the fact that we are crucified with Christ, dead to sin and alive to righteousness, in chapter 4, verse 10. This brokenness manifests the resilience of the victorious life of Christ within. This is the ministry that we share. Death is at work in us. We die to self daily that the life of God's work would work in you, in Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 12. This is our ministry. May the life and power of the Word be exhibited in us all today. Now let's move on to our next stop in our Bible reading tour, to the book of Psalms. Today we will be reading Psalm 44, verses 1 through 8. And reading Psalm 44 will be one of New Life's worship leaders, Josh Anthony.
1: O God, we have heard with our ears. Our fathers have told us. What deeds you performed in their days, in the days of old. You with your own hand drove out the nations, but them you planted. You afflicted the peoples, but them you set free. For not by their own sword did they win the land, nor did their own arm save them, but your right hand and your arm and the light of your face, for you delighted in them. You are my king, O God
0: The psalmist recalls what God did to aid them in the conquest of Canaan. He enabled them to drive out the enemy to a great degree. He established His people as a nation in Israel. Their existence was not due to their skillful swordplay, but by the gracious hand of the Lord. It was not by their sword that they won the land, nor did their arm bring them victory. It was your right hand, your arm, and the light of your face, for you loved them. Psalm 44, verse 3. As we saw in 2 Corinthians chapters 3 and 4, we see God's grace and glory on display in the face of Jesus Christ, the captain of our salvation. He drives out the idolatries of our hearts. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made His light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 He gives us victories day by day. You are my King and my God, who decrees victories for Jacob. Through you we push back our enemies, through your name we trample our foes. Psalm 44, verses 4 and 5. So we do not preach ourselves, we do not trust in ourselves. Our trust is in the Lord, and we make our boasts in Him day and night. In God we make our boast all day long, and we will praise your name forever. Psalm 44, verse 8. And now let's move on to our final stop on today's reading tour. Let's go to the book of Proverbs, and let's open up and pull from the treasure chest of wisdom. Proverbs 22, verses 10 through 12. Drive out a scoffer, and strife will go out, and quarreling and abuse will cease. He who loves purity of heart, and whose speech is gracious, will have the king as his friend. The eyes of the Lord keep watch over knowledge, but he overthrows the words of the traitor. It is true that one bad apple can ruin the bushel. Drive out the gossip, the mocker, the naysayer, or whoever the troublemaker may be, and you will restore peace. Beware of those who practice destructive speech. Remove them or diminish their influence if you can. In contrast to the mocker who needs to be expelled. Those who let no corrupt communication proceed out of their mouths, but that which is useful for edifying, are those you want to keep around. Even kings will want them for friends. The final proverb in verse 12 reminds us that God is sovereign and acts to vindicate truth. He keeps watch over knowledge and will bring what is true to light. He overthrows words of falsehood and the schemes of traitors. Now let's take what we've gleaned in our Bible reading today to the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit to seal these truths to our hearts. Lord, we confess our sins, our limitations, our weaknesses, our flaws and frailty. Cleanse us as we trust in your mercy shown to us in the cross of Christ. Thank you Lord Jesus for shedding your blood that we might be justly forgiven and made new. We pray that the power of your Word and Spirit would work in us today we pray that in our weakness, the excellency of your great power would be manifested in a display of the victorious life of Christ, our indwelling treasure. We ask it in his name. Amen. We have taken in a lot today, and I hope that you have been edified by our Bible reading. We always invite you to contact us if you have any questions or comments. You can write us at podcast at newlife.org. And if you'd like to know more about New Life Community Church, New Life Fine Arts, any of New Life Ministries, you can go to our website, newlife.org. And if you would like to receive a written copy of our commentary on each day's Bible readings, you can subscribe at our website. Once again, the web address is newlife.org. One word, newlife.org. So until next time, may the peace of the Lord abide with you. Shalom.